you want to it's the ron don show starring ron don and sometimes me at ron hey you guys what's going on it's episode number 213 now of the ron and don show what is up ron and don nation yeah coming up on episode 213 we're live from the les schwab studios and we're gonna talk a little bit about well the democrats and the republicans is it a waste of time to impeach a president that is already out of office. Plus, you're fired. Remember, he used to say that all the time. Made hundreds of millions of dollars on that slogan. And now he's been fired. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. Because a couple years ago, Ron and I publicly got fired. And I want to talk about some of the similarities and also some of the differences. Uh, her name, she's 22 years of age. Amanda Gorman uh, kind of stole the show at Joe Biden's inauguration. And I don't know about you, Ron, I've been thinking a lot about this young poet. My understanding is when she wrote this poem for the inauguration, she was actually listening to Hamilton at the time. And it was on January 6th when she started to write. She was halfway through writing her poem that she was going to then perform at the inauguration. And that's when she stopped. And she had to begin to rewrite it because of what was happening on the Capitol steps. The very same Capitol steps where weeks later she would say, there is always light if we are brave enough to see it and if we're brave enough to be it. And Amanda Gorman, at the age of 22, gave all of us and every single politician sitting there, every American in front of their television set, and every human around the world, she gave us a master's class in real class. And to me, that was something that the nation needed in that moment. And she delivered big time. And I'll remember her words forever. What was your take on Amanda, what she shared, and your overall feeling about the inauguration as we sit here now days later? Yeah, there's a lot of wrinkles to the inauguration from, you know, Garth Brooks singing, uh, you know, Amazing Grace in his dress jeans uh, to Lady Gaga with a giant dove on her shoulder to some other things. But yes, I think Amanda Gorman, I'm with you. She lit things up like like nobody else, I think, on that stage. She looked lovely in the bright yellow jacket that she wore. And she's it's such an amazing story. There are times if, and I usually think of this in musical terms, um, when you see someone that you've never heard of before, um, some people have it. Whatever that it factor is, some people have it. Other people can be technically great, uh, and they just, you're just like, okay, like they're good. I remember the first time you and I saw Alan Stone perform. Uh, he is unsigned, hadn't really done anything. I think we did his first radio interview in Seattle. He's a musician. And when I saw him live at this club, I was like, oh my God, that guy has it. Yeah. He's got it. I, I remember you saying that. And I was like, I, I you know, I've, I've seen a it. lot of live performances yeah. in my life. Yeah. That guy has it. Yeah. When I saw Amanda, perform the speech that she wrote and she's the she's the first youth 
poet laureate of the United States. There are many poet laureates, including one for the entire United States, but she was the first poet, youth poet laureate. And she just has it. She exudes this confidence and wisdom well beyond her years. And whatever that uh, thing is that coalesces in a person, um, she's got it. And it's it was incredible to watch. I saw her uh, after this be interviewed by Anderson Cooper. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because she grew up, she said she was really, really skinny as a kid growing up, like well under 100 pounds you know, 70 pounds or something really skinny. And she had a speech impediment and she really struggled with pronouncing R words among some other letters in the alphabet. And so she knew she was attracted to words. She started to write. Her mother's a teacher in Watts, California, which is a very poor school district. And it, she would say she was nervous about performing and reading the poetry that she wrote because she would pronounce it poetry. She couldn't say she couldn't form the, the letter R and a lot of uh, kids have speech impediments like this. And she would, she said one of the things that she did, uh, you mentioned Hamilton, there's a specific song in Hamilton that has a lot of R words in it. Mm -hmm. And she said over and over and over again, she would sing along to this Hamilton song to practice her R's mm -hmm. and she would just stay in her room and practice all of these difficulties that she had in speaking. And she was very nervous to speak because she knew that she was a good writer and she sort of poured her heart into the written word because of how insecure she was about performing the spoken word. And I can't imagine knowing that tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people worldwide are going to be watching you perform something you wrote. And in the back of your mind, you're like, please don't let me say poetry. Like, please don't let me fall into these speech impediments that I had. I guess Maya Angelou also had a speech impediment. So she sort of look, looked up to her. Uh, and Joe Biden had a speech impediment as a child. And, and so she sort of felt like she was in kindred spirits with this, but absolutely marvelous. I immediately followed her on Instagram and she's just a lovely human being. Mm. So that was a very big moment. The, the other thing that I, I don't know if you saw this image, um, but it really, I, I put it up on my socials today. It really caused me a moment where, you know, if you're flicking through your feed, you just kind of roll past stuff pretty quickly. There's an image and I hope you can find it. It's, it's Barack Obama in a mask with black leather gloves on and Kamala Harris uh, in her lovely purple outfit. She has a mask and black leather gloves on. And the two of them do a double fist pump. I don't know if you've seen this image I'm or sorry. not. Yeah. So they're doing a double fist pump. And I don't know what they said to each other. I don't know if they said anything to each other. But if you just take a moment to soak that in as a, a historical moment, um, it really got me a little teary-eyed because we are witnessing in real time the deconstruction, I think, of 240 years of a country that was in a government that was deliberately constructed to be a white supremacist government. And it was a bunch of rich white guys that were a lot of them slave owners at the time that said, we're going to write this new constitution, break away from England, and built into the DNA 
was this idea of we are better than everybody else. If you are a white man, that's the top of the pyramid. You have a vote. Um, you can own other human beings. Your wife is property. And, and you, you're, the, you're the only vote that matters. We're going to go so far with that line that we don't trust that the uneducated masses know what's going on. So let's create the electoral college so we can safeguard against unsavory, uneducated people that aren't like us elites. And we can, we could correct their votes if they get it wrong. Um, and so to watch a country sort of grapple with here is a woman that is now your vice president. Uh, and she's doing a double fist pump with a, an African-American man who was a president. I, I think that those ripples along the, the pond of history are what is causing all of this unrest of people finally going, okay, I have to either buy into a series of lies that make no sense or accept the world the way that it is, that we are now a multicultural, multi-ethnic, society that if we really are going to raise the bar to our higher selves, women can govern as equally as men. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are black or Indian or Asian or whatever your heritage is, it has nothing to do with if you can be brilliant or be a good uh, legislator or be uh, someone that can govern. And so that to me was very inspiring to see and also see Joe Biden enthusiastically give a, all right, when uh, Kamala Harris was sworn in. Like, he seems like an evolved guy. That uh, And it was Dr. Jill Biden that recommended uh, the Poet Laureate, by the way. So, I don't know. I just uh, I went on for a long time. I want to hear your thoughts. Well, I, I thought it was interesting that just a few days before, you had uh, Martin Luther King Day. And I asked my son on Sunday, there, there, there's something that Will Smith said, that I've really taken to heart. And he said he learned something from his dad. And the thing that he learned from his dad is that there's so many teachable moments that exist outside the classroom and that his dad was always teaching. He was always teaching. So I try to keep that in mind with, with my little boy. And I asked him on Sunday, we were over in Discovery Park and I was running, he was riding his bike. We had Charlie out there. And so I, I asked him if he knew about Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. You have the day off of school. Do you know why you have the day off of school? And do you know about uh, Dr. King? And then I thought what I would do is drop some knowledge on All him. Right. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm tell him what's cause, what. Because I'm his teacher. And then he proceeded, one, to tell me about Jackie. He took me back to 1947. He knew the year uh, where Jackie Robinson um, broke the color barrier in professional sports and in baseball. People say that Babe Ruth was always the greatest ball player. How could that be when he never played against black and brown people? He's only playing against other white dudes. So out of white guys, I guess, when Babe played, I guess he was the best white guy out of all the white guys. But what about all the uh, people from the Dominican or Cuba? Or what about the Jackie Robinsons? And now we find out today that black and brown players are pretty darn good players. So he told me about that. He told me about Pee Wee Reese who was the captain of Jackie's team and about their embrace. And we talked about whether that embrace actually happened or not, because there's some controversy over the embrace. So we talked about that. Uh, and then he proceeded 
uh, to tell me about Thomas Jefferson. And he told me that Thomas Jefferson was the one daddy that came up with that all men are created equal. He said, but that wasn't true because he left women out of the discussion and he left black people out of the discussion and he left Native Americans out of this discussion. And I'm like, you're 10, you're <laughs> 10 years old and you are dropping this on me. So it, it, it beautifully, what Gunnar was sharing with me, swings right back to what you were saying. When, when the Constitution was created, was it created by our forefathers for all of us? And it seems like it wasn't. It seems like it wasn't. But the good thing is the Constitution is a living, breathing document. And I think what we saw during that inauguration is we are dragging the Constitution uh, into 2021. I don't know if you've seen the picture. Uh, and the picture that really sticks in my mind is a few weeks ago, it's a picture of the Capitol. And the people that were holding uh, and having a riot there. And then the exact same picture of mm. Joe Biden putting his hand on the family Bible and being sworn in as the president. So pretty powerful stuff there. Hey, we come back. Is it time to turn the page on the Trump administration or is it time to impeach him? Is it time to prosecute him? Is it time to find out if he did something that was criminal? Is that important? Or is it more important right now for Congress and this president and all of us to be really focused on COVID-19 with over 400,000 dead Americans? We'll talk about that on the other side of this. Life comes at you fast. If it's time to downsize, upsize, or right-size your home, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Kim Webb. Hi, I'm Kendall Webb. I'm actually from Colorado. We had always hoped that someday we would be able to move here. And when COVID hit, he was able to request to work remotely permanently. We found a house that we absolutely fell in love with. And so what that created was a situation where, shoot, we're not prepared to sell the house in Duval, but we're, we ha could have to do that quick. We did the Ron and Don sit down. Ron stepped right in, sent us all the comp information. Don sent us a list of all the things that we needed to begin to consider. Don, he was all over my property. Uh, helping me uh, get the, the landscaping pulled together, um, making sure that it was going to show well. We ended up placing it on the market where we felt we would be happy uh, if we got that number. And as it turned out on offer review day, we had five offers that were well over our expectations. We were absolutely ecstatic. The sale price was 55K over ask, and that just blew us away. They negotiated the absolute best price we could have gotten for that home. We are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe. All right, you guys, uh, welcome back to episode uh, 213. Uh, President Trump decided not to go to the inauguration and decided to leave town, jump on a jet, head down to Florida. Uh, we, we understand that he did leave a letter now uh, for President Joe Biden. Joe Biden said that the letter is very generous, uh, but he didn't want to share it, didn't want to read it uh, until he talked to President Trump about that. Because we know the contents, for instance, some of the other letters. Th those letters have to be hard to write 
when you thought you were going there for eight years and you pulled up short and you did four. Uh, and I would imagine for the Obamas four years ago to, to have the Trump swing by the house, have a look-see and show them around, and then to be there through the whole process of the inauguration, there had to be parts of that that were very hard and very difficult. I think in some ways, President Trump does us all a favor, and I think he did the president. I think he did uh, President Biden a favor, uh, no matter what his motivation was, by jumping on a plane, heading down to Florida. His Twitter's been turned off. Uh, Facebook, and we'll talk about this uh, in another episode coming up. They have now taken President Trump. His account's gone before a board. Facebook has put together a board, and they're going to decide whether or not they're going to allow him back on Facebook. It seems like Twitter and Jack Dorsey has decided that they're not going to allow him back on Twitter. So we'll take that discussion. We'll put it off the side. What do you need? What do you think the focus of the next hundred days needs to be? And do you think uh, it's important that President Trump is impeached, or do you think it's important for us to just kind of let that go and, and really get focused on COVID nineteen, saving American lives, saving American businesses, saving American jobs? I, I don't think it's an either or. Uh, it's not a zero-sum game. I think you can be focused on COVID, and we saw a Dr. Fauci's countenance completely change uh, as he's able to sort of be given the reins of a COVID response. And, and I know we're going to talk COVID uh, in another segment as well. I think impeachment is important for a number of reasons, but the biggest one that I heard some folks talk about here recently is that prosecuting the Donald Trump could be a deterrent to the future. I think we can all agree. Donald Trump is not the most sophisticated when it came about, came to his plans. He would reveal a lot. He would just come out and say things that he was doing. Um, it, it just right on face value. If there is someone that looked at this, that's more sophisticated, that has these fascist leanings, that um, looks at this playbook that Donald Trump did. It's like, okay, he broke so many norms. How could I tap in? There, there are people waiting in the wings, I think a la Ted Cruz type of person. Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. That if they have more sophistication and don't just rattle off so many lies, don't just come right out and say, uh, you know, asshole countries. And, and when it's being recorded, don't just call the state of Georgia on a recorded line and, and openly bully and, and cajole and break the law. If there's someone that, that has more self-control, that is more Machiavellian and sees Donald Trump just get away with what he's done, it might encourage the next guy to go, oh, I could do this better. Like that's what Steve Bannon was trying to be. He was trying to be that guy behind the scenes that's the smartest guy in the room. They're really, you know, the, the, you know, the, the guy, the puppet master that, you know, is behind, he's the, the Wizard of Oz behind the, the curtain. So that's the, one of the biggest reasons I think you proceed with the impeachment. I know that it will take up time from the Senate and that that time can't then be duplicated to do things like appointments or important things with the first 100 days. I don't think you can just let it slide because it's so egregious. And, and we could go on and on and on about different things, briberies and 
communications. It was interesting. I don't know if you saw the, I think the Washington Post or either that or the New York Times. They listed every insult that Donald Trump published on Twitter during, during his presidency. There is not one crossword against Vladimir Putin. Not one. So, you know, this thing is, is there's a lot of angles you could take, but I think it's important to say you're not above the law. We believe you broke the law. We can prove that you broke the law. And hopefully that is a, a deterrent to a wannabe or a future fascist leaning person. It's like, oh, well, I can tap into this yeah. anger. So let me ask you this. How is it different than Nixon? Uh, and you look at Gerald Ford. When Gerald Ford first pardoned Nixon, they say it's one of the reasons why Gerald Ford was not electable when he did that. And he probably knew when when he pardoned him that he wouldn't. Uh, be electable for another four years, and he wasn't. So his his stint in the White House was quick, and the pardon of Nixon cost him. Then you look back 25 years after the pardon, and you look at all the awards that uh, the Ford family received as a result. He's he's looked at it as a true statesman now for doing the right thing for the country and not doing the right thing for his political career. Joe Biden's in a position here, uh, and the Democratic Party right now is in a position here, where if they move forward on the impeachment, and he doesn't get impeached by the Senate, and they don't have the supermajority vote that they need, aren't you fearful that now you've really emboldened a guy, even emboldened a movement, a guy who's thinking about starting a Trumpism party, uh, which would really spell a lot of despair out there for Republicans right now. Wouldn't you get on the phone with Republicans and with Mitch McConnell and say, Mitch, are we going to have all the votes here in order to impeach him? Because then we then we could get to have the second vote. And the second vote is, will we ever allow him to hold office again after he's been impeached? Because that's really what McConnell wants, right? That's what he wants in the Senate. But you already had Kevin McCarthy come out today, who's the head of the House for Republicans. He's already pivoted to Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong. When he spoke at the Capitol or near the Capitol, and then the people went and decided to, to riot, he said, I've looked at everything that he said, and there's nothing impeachable there. So Kevin McCarthy is now changing because early on he's like, wow, maybe this is impeachable. He's, he's pivoted away from that. And, and we all know that these Republicans are looking at this and just saying, how can I use the zhuzh and how can I use Trumpism uh, for me to continue to move forward in my own political career? So don't you have to be careful here? Because if, 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 if you impeach him and then twice he's able to walk away and he's not convicted by the Senate, uh, I think you have really prepped him. And you've prepped a lot of people around America for 2024. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Richard Nixon. With the with the Watergate scandal, nobody argued that the facts weren't the facts. People accepted the narrative that Woodward and Bernstein reported. So it's like when you said Watergate was broken into, nowadays, if that story broke, like, oh, no, it wasn't. Watergate wasn't broken into. You can't prove that. What do you mean? I, that's fake news. So I think there's a huge difference. 
you know, we have now this alternative facts universe where you just brought up McCarthy saying, you know, well, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. At least with water with Watergate and Nixon, you had a, a, a set of facts that the country was like, okay, that's bad. We we believe in this narrative that has been proven by documents and witnesses. We don't have that anymore. And tape. Lots of tape. And lots of tape. Lots of tape. You also have a, a president in Nixon who was probably equally as racist when you go through the you know, the 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 White House tapes that that have been made available. Very racist guy. A very paranoid guy, but at least he worked. Like, despite Nixon actually had a pretty good run with uh, developing relations with China, uh, Nixon had, was pretty good at foreign policy. Uh, Nixon was a very intelligent guy, and he understood how government worked, and had had been through branches of the government, so he understood the procedure and was able to govern and uh, with some competence. So, like, uh, to me, they're, they're night and day differences. But people, people, and so let me just devil's advocate. People say uh, stock market's almost at 32,000. Uh, people will say the, when, when you look at jobs in America a year ago, if COVID wouldn't have happened, uh, President Trump would still be President Trump because it's the economy, stupid. And the economy was rocking and rolling. Now, you can go back and give Obama credit for that. Uh, but I think there's a lot of Republicans out there or people that support Donald Trump that would say, hey, the economy was great. If COVID wouldn't have happened, he would still be our president. Uh, he didn't he didn't create any wars, but either did Obama. He said he was the only modern day president, didn't start wars. President Obama didn't start any wars. Uh, he brought a lot of soldiers home. And I don't think you'll see Joe Biden re redeploy those soldiers because he wanted to bring those soldiers home, too. Uh, so I think there, there'll people look at that and they'll say, Hey, there's even a little bit of peace in the middle East. We'll see. And then, and then he was a tough guy. He was a brawler. He's a, he, he stood up to China. Uh, we shouldn't be getting along with China. We should stand up to China. So I think there'd be a lot of people that might react that and say, Hey, when you, when you look at his record, uh, he had some successes too. Yeah, I, I guess I just go back to either we believe uh, in a country that we are a country of laws and that no one's above the law or we don't. A monarchy and a, or a dictatorship says, I, I'm a leader that's above the law. Doesn't apply to me. I get to do what I want, when I want, to whom I want. And we saw that with Putin the other day when a political rival landed in Moscow. He's arrested as he got off the plane. Mm -hmm. No trial, no proof. You have a dictator that just said, you're arrested, and you can arrest him. So we either, the America that I want to believe in says that we created the, the genius of our founders was we're separating the power into different branches and the other branches can hold anyone accountable. So that's how we want it. We want to take this power that used to all be in, in one person, a monarch. Let's separate that. And, and so that if some one of the branches gets out of line, the other two can correct. Mm -hmm. And so either we believe in that or we don't. We have a situation here where it seems that there is a clear and provable um, subjugation of the law. So either we, we, we go with it or we don't. I, I, I don't want to give that up yeah. in the version of America that I believe in. This is what I look at. I, I, I went and I've looked at almost all the tape now that I could find of what happened at the Capitol. It was much more brutal than I initially thought. 
much more brutal. Five people died, including a police officer. People are now saying, well, that police officer voted for Trump. That police officer was a Trump supporter. It's like, that's okay. He didn't deserve to die. Um, he didn't deserve to be hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. And I wonder in that moment when he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher by another Trump supporter, because remember that day everybody wanted to blame it on Antifa. And now we're finding out as people are arrested, no one's being arrested. That wasn't a Trump supporter, right? So I think it's really important that when we look at what he and Rudy Giuliani said that day, when you look at the invitation to come to Washington, when you look at the words that they used online and with microphones, because I've listened to their speeches, I think there's a direct connection to them and the five people that lost their lives. We are a country that embraces the rule of law. He said he was a law and order president. Well, it is time for law and order. We will see you on the other side of this. Whether you're buying or selling, everyone needs a team. That's what Team Bronco did. That's what Team Lone Star did. That's what Team Wallace did. That's what Team Michigan did. Go Blue! All right, before we get out of here, it's episode 213. Again, our thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. And guys, things are really busy right now when it comes to real estate, but we are not too busy for you. It all starts with the Ron and Don sit down. And I think we've done a couple dozen sit-downs already this year. We have done a couple dozen. We also finally got, uh, you can get the Ron and Don playbook now directly off of ronandonsitdown.com. Oh, so we've been good. working with our guy, Alex. He got it figured out. So if you go there, uh, I believe you click on the, the, the tab that says blog and there's the, play, the seller's playbook, buyer's playbook. Click on that. It'll automatically get it to you. Uh, if you just want, if you're curious, hey, what's in the playbook? Um, you can just get it directly now, right through so the website. So if you're a buyer, there's a playbook for you. A seller, there's a playbook for you. Just go to ronandonsitdown.com, click on the blog, and then I think it's about 26 uh, uh, pages. But We used it, a big font because both our eyes yeah, are failing. can't see. So <laughs> it's, at the end of the day, it's about three and a half pages. But it, when you have a playbook and it's 26 pages, you just kind of sound like a big deal that way. So anyway. Uh, what's your overall, overall feeling that uh, as we head into 2021, we're still facing this COVID crisis, uh, an economy, a lot of other things that we talked about. Uh, are you feeling optimistic as we're kind of moving forward here? Uh, I, I, I feel more optimism now than I did a week ago. So um, I'm not unabashedly optimistic because there, there still is a worldwide pandemic and there's a lot of logistical things that need to be corrected. So I'm mildly optimistic. I'm ca- I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. All right. I'm pretty optimistic. I-, I wrote something I want to share with you guys. Uh, it's called You Are Fired by Don O'Neill. I put this up on my Facebook page uh, if you want to read a copy of it. So two years ago uh, this month, we were publicly fired from a radio station that we dearly loved. There was no notice. There was no reason given. Our ratings had never been better, and the revenue we brought to the station, it led all the shows. It was raw. It was crushing. And to be honest, to me, it was very embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. Even when people see me today, they stop me in the store. First thing they'll say is, how's Charlie? How's G-Force doing? 
And why did you get fired from your jobs on Terrestrial Radio? I always point back to episode number one of this very podcast because in that podcast, which has been listened to tens of thousands of times, we explain to you exactly what happened and kind of our side of the story. So if you want to listen to that, it's episode one. Again, in it, again, I think it's very important to understand this, that Ron and I blame no one in that episode. A decision was made and we had to accept that decision and we had to move on which is what we've done. I wrote this the day before the inauguration. It says this, tomorrow it's time for America to move on. President Trump was fired by the American people and it's that simple. I think it's interesting that the former president made hundreds of millions of dollars firing people on TV and he seemed to enjoy it. Remember him on The Apprentice saying, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Made hundreds of millions of dollars firing people. Yeah, but now he's been fired, and he can't even shake the hand of the man that's replacing him. He won't even offer a tour of the White House to the new president or the first lady. The Obamas did it for him, and they did it for America. So why can't he do it, if not for the Bidens, for the rest of us? Losing sucks, you guys, and being fired publicly is gut-wrenching. I understand it. But in the same way, I wish so much success to Tom and John. Those are the two hosts that replaced us. I hope the soon-to-be former president wakes up tomorrow. This will be his final morning in the White House. And he does America a favor. I hope he has a change of heart. And he welcomes the 46th president of the United States to Washington. We the people, all of us, red and blue, black, white, and brown, men and women, boys and girls, gay and straight, we deserve that. So we shall see what a good night rest brings. And then, my brothers and sisters, let's move on, and let's move on together. Love and respect, love wins, and I sign my name to that. Dude, where's the positive vibes? There's no positive vibes in there. Yeah, and maybe the fact that the president wrote a letter to Joe Biden, uh, maybe that's just the best that he could do in that moment. But nonetheless, you guys, it is time to move on. He's Ron. I'm Don. Thanks for reaching out to us. And don't forget, if you want to hear that story about leaving Terrestrial Radio, which a lot of people have, and they're interested in that story, and that's what landed us on the front of the Seattle Times, you can just listen to episode one. It's where the Ron and Don show on a podcast all started. Thank you to the hundreds of thousands of plays of the Ron and Don show. This is quickly growing, you guys. We're so appreciative. Please hit subscribe and share this episode with your friends. And don't forget about the Ron and Don playbook. All you have to do is go to ronanddonsitdown.com. He's Ron. I'm Don. We'll see you next time for episode 214 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>